This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. How many of you have used a mapping feature, whether it be on your smartphone, on your computer, whatever? I know that I use it quite a bit personally. For many people, mapping apps are a necessity to get around in locations that they might not be familiar with. But what isn't realized by some is that when mapping became an important part of our new digital culture, it also helped spawn off a variety of other innovations as well. Bill Kilday is a former marketing director at Keyhole, a company that uh, was bought by Google several years ago. He takes a deeper dive into the world of mapping in his new book, Never Lost Again, the Google mapping revolution that sparked new industries and augmented our reality. And it's a pleasure to have Bill joining us on the show. Bill, welcome. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, So let's start with Keyhole uh, and and tell us about the company and how it really came about and and just the, the backstory on how mapping became such an important idea to bring forward. Well, the the backstory on Keyhole, it was a startup that uh, happened in the late 90s. There were some technologies that were starting to converge uh, in the late 90s. GPS devices and phones, uh, broadband Internet access was becoming commonplace, 3D graphics chips in everyday consumer PCs was really starting to enable uh, sort of a new wave of user experiences and mapping. Um, and so the company was started in 1999 by a guy named John Hankey, um, who I went to work for. Um, and very long story short, I uh, was bought by Google in October of 2004 and became kind of the foundation layer of Google Maps and Google Earth in 2005. The, both products were launched in, in 2005. But, I mean, obviously, I don't know if if the mindset back then you could really even forecast all of this great innovation that has come off of it and the fact that mapping is such an important part of of our society when you think of not only what you have on your smartphone but if you go to a real estate website half the time you know there is a uh, there's a satellite view of the neighborhood mm-hmm. uh you mentioned and i guess it's it's something you've worked on uh, in the recent past a uh, pokemon go and how that has benefited from uh, mm-hmm. from this type of innovation mm-hmm. as well Indeed. I mean, I think it uh, really started with the launch of Google Maps in February of 2005, and a couple of engineers at Google there, uh, Brett Taylor, Tim Norris, who both go on to do great things uh, outside of Google, uh, launched something called the Google Maps API um, uh, a, a few months later. And that was really in response to uh, what was happening once Google Maps launched, which was web developers and software engineers were sort of reverse engineering the Google Maps uh, product and then creating their own um, implementations, their own Google Maps. The first one uh, was one by a guy named Paul Rademacher, who was a DreamWorks animator, and he created a Craigslist mashup of all housing that was available in San Francisco uh, using the Google Maps API as its foundation base layer. Uh, Brett Taylor, Jim Norris, they create this Google Maps API to enable that to be something that companies could do. Uh, and so very quickly, you have a, a, a really um, groundswell of innovation in location-based services, everything from Yelp, Strava, OpenTable, Zillow, Hotels.com, mm-hmm. anything that sort of had that sort of geo component to it. And there was this geographic data 
the Google Maps API made it very easy for those companies to get going. In fact, for the first two years of the Google Maps API existence, Google didn't even charge, charge for it at all. So it was really something that spurred a whole new wave of innovation around location. So then do you think with, with all of this innovation that has occurred in the last several years around this, do you think we're still kind of at, at like a tip of the iceberg situation where there is still a long way to go and still many more uses for these types of technologies? Yes, I do. I think actually mapping, we're starting to see as there's sort of a second wave of innovation coming in mapping, and it has to do with a hot new tech trend of augmented reality, of which Pokemon Go is sort of a true north for that whole industry. It was sort of the first use case of like, wow, this is what, you know, this new service that, you know, one could imagine of really overlaying the real world uh, in the case of Pokemon Go with with Pokemon characters that you can catch. Yeah. Um, but you can imagine all these other geographic data sets um, like a Yelp or like a Hotels Tonight. So you imagine holding your phone up and getting a Yelp review of the restaurant that you're looking at through your phone or a hotel availability with room rates over a hotel or, you know, imagine or a bus schedule over a bus stop. You know, you sort of imagine any kind of data set there's now a new wave of innovation coming around, um, sort of mashing that up into the real world in a much more intuitive way. Um, and, and that's really that, that whole uh, trend of augmented reality that's coming. So there's, so there's a lot of people in mapping now that are really excited about these emerging trends, and mapping is becoming you know, at the forefront of those of those uh, hot tech trends. And, and, and I guess that was part of the reason why Google decided to acquire Keyhole uh, many years ago, more than a decade now. Well, you know, I don't know that you could have imagined the world that we're in, entering into now. I think, right. um, uh, you, you know, Google gets a lot of credit for thinking long-term about a lot of tech trends, but I think more than anything, it was really the founders of the company, Sergey Brin in particular, who was just excited about the technology keyhole product and it was really a grand plan or strategy for what um for what it would become but it was more more than anything it was this awesome product and they thought it could be something great but it really wasn't you didn't really know what it could be or what it could become and i don't know that we still know today but but you you see more and more opportunities for these types of technologies to be incorporated, thinking like autonomous vehicles, you know, as, as they yeah. as they develop and and not only just the, the the technology of keeping the vehicle lane to lane or knowing where to go, but uh, you know, cars are so technologically savvy to begin with already today. I would think so many more things within the car itself. Some of those things that you just ran off, being able to make a, make a reservation for a for a dinner from your car <laughs> as you're heading out, will be something that we will be seeing in the very near future. Indeed, and I, and I think the self-driving car industry is one of those other industries that's making mapping a, a hot area of innovation again because you've got to keep those roads and those uh, road networks and all the data as up-to-date as possible. Um, everybody's experienced that of like going to uh, you know a location where the store was closed or the, the street had a, you know, you know, something changed about the street, some road condition changed, and so 
mapping companies are working really hard to turn what had traditionally been sort of a static view of the world into more of a real world dynamic place that is trying to keep up with the pace of changes in the world. Um, the acquisition of Waze by Google in 2012 yeah. was a sort of a further acknowledgement of that, that the world is a dynamic and changing place. And so let's take data from real users that are out in the real world about traffic incidents, about road closures, yeah. and, and get that data in real time, feed that back into Google, and then, and then you know, stream it back out to all of Google's mapping products in real time. So <clears throat> Google's work and other companies are working very, very hard to keep up with those changes because um, that's at the core. You really need that for a self-driving car, right? You really yeah. need to know about that, that dead end. You really need to know about that road closure for the self-driving car to have a chance of working. Well, and I was going to take it to, a, a, to the next step. And, and this literally happened to me yesterday, driving through Philadelphia, in that there was a parade down Market Street. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and it's even the level of knowing when the parades are so that you can navigate yourself around that parade so you're not stuck in traffic for 45 minutes. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I mean, it really uh, the the feed from Waze and from other Google data sources now, and then the rerouting of people to um, take into account events like that is uh, you know just an amazing technological achievement. Google announced at its I/O developer conference a few weeks back that there are um, 25 million edits to the Google Mapping product being made every single day. So wow. uh, it's an unfathomable number. There's 7,000 people working on that team, keeping the work, trying to keep up with the world. Um, and it's just sort of a monumental feat that is going behind the scenes for that uh, supercomputer in your pocket. So then is it, is, it a, is it a part of the Google kind of landscape that is considered to be, I mean, it, it, it is obviously a functional one, but is it a profitable one? That's a very good question, and as close as I am to the Google Maps team, I'm not on the team now, but, um, you know, I, I do ask that question in the book, and I ask that question of people who know a lot more about the fundamental economics of Google Maps and Google Earth, um, and, you know, th- there are differing opinions about that. At the end of the day, after all the money that's been invested by Google Maps and Google Earth, by Larry and Sergey, the founders of the company, has Google Maps and Google Earth turned a profit for the company? I happen to think that it has not. I think right. that it has been done um, really because of the awesome technical challenge that the founders got excited about. I was in enough meetings to know that they did not ask about those those typical business questions about return on investment, payback period, break-even analysis, that sort of stuff. Um, that's not why they did it. They did it because it was an incredible technical challenge that they were very interested in, and yeah. they wanted to they wanted to do it because they thought it would be awesome. Well, so it's and, kind of amazing. And so it may not be a monetary value, but it may be a social value of having people involved in kind of the uh, the, the the Google uh, ecosystem, kind of like how Apple tries to link everybody in, having people in that Google ecosystem of using Google Maps. Yeah, no doubt. So when I say has it made money, I think that I think about that on a um, you know direct basis. Yeah. But when you're talking about the sort of indirect impact of Google Maps for Google, in terms of it making search results better, in terms of it making ads better, in terms of it 
making the Android operating system better and helping to market Android devices. Um, there's a whole host of other indirect benefits to the Google Mapping products that tie people into the Google ecosystem versus alternatives. Are there business sectors out there? And, and I'm thinking, playing off of the comment I made earlier about how the real estate industry is starting to use uh, the mapping functions and, and obviously the street view, which uh, you know quite a bit about. Um, are there business sectors still out there that that are not taking advantage of this type of technology? Well, you mentioned real estate. I mean, I think that it's important to note that real estate really kept Keyhole alive. We were a, a small, struggling startup with limited prospects that had built a product that could only be used by 10 to 15 percent of everyday users. And so real estate, real estate uses of the product um, and, you know, real estate users were probably the first adopters of satellite and aerial imagery yeah. outside of the military. Um, and so they were the first folks to step up and write us checks from 2001 to 2004 until Google took notice and bought the company. So um, they've been at the forefront, but there's still, there's still a lot to be done in the world of real estate with um, – satellite and aerial imagery as you sort of move into this augmented reality world of, um, you know, imagine a world in which you were going to be driving down a street and holding your phone up to a house and seeing the, the, all the data about it or the square footage or if it's coming on the market or the property taxes yeah. or this, you know, everything sort of, you know, that sort of blending of data into a real world experience and augmenting the reality um, and, and what that, and for that to have to, for that to happen, that data has to be pinpointed with hyper precision and location accuracy. So yeah. that is an area of innovation and mapping that um, that real estate is going to. There's going to be all kinds of new services, I believe, that emerge around that. Travel is another one. Uh, travel and tourism. Um, is another opportunity. There's all kinds of rich opportunities around this mapping and augmented reality being blended together. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that that'll be very interesting to see over the coming years. And I think it's coming very fast. There are companies out yeah. there that are pursuing this. Um, and then you've got companies that have these data sets um, that maybe didn't work in the in the traditional mobile mapping world. Um, I think about a company like Foursquare. Uh, which gamified the creation of all sorts of location information, but didn't really ever get the uh, traction that you that they that they desired. Well, that yeah. that company now is working on their augmented reality plans and their sort of like experiences, and I think it's going to be very exciting. Well, to see. what about something like the gaming industry? When you when you think about and not gaming, I'm I'm not saying like Las Vegas, but I'm, I'm talking about video games and 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 all of the technology that has come into video games and all of the real life experience and through the use of AI. That that's an industry that I would think for some people. That industry, 10 to 15 years ago, it went through a little bit of a downtime, but seemingly has had a, a great resurgence now. Well, yeah. I mean, in the company that I work for now, Niantic, which is the spin-out company, and interestingly, there are eight of us that were at Keyhole that are now together at Niantic. So we sort of sold Google, we sold Keyhole to Google. 
um, became kind of the core uh, team inside of Google running the Maps and Earth operation. John Hankey ran the Google Geo division for 10 years. The company spun back out of Google as part of the uh, Alphabet reorganization in 2015 right. and uh, launched Pokemon Go, which really was the first example of like what you could do by taking a data set and taking gaming characters and and blending them with uh, the real world, taking the real world and theming it with a game. So then what? And so, and so that, that's the first example of that. There are many, many games to come yeah. uh, from Niantic and from others that will take that, um, that first example of this, you know, huge success Pokemon Go and, and take other IP um, Niantic is working. This is not not anything that isn't public. Is working on a Harry Potter version of um, of Pokemon Go, essentially. So you you're going to have the world uh, be able to sort of theme your world with Harry Potter uh, characters and gameplay, and that's going to be released before the end of 2018. Well, and I was going to say there are so many with the with the run of different types of, of characters and Harry Potter being one, but you think of all the the you know the superhero genre that it, that has taken over us in the last decade or so and and the opportunities to be able and all different kinds of characters to be yeah. able to do those types of games to connect other kind of content points for companies, you know, again, just saying the superhero genre for for Marvel or you know, for that yeah. type of a company, that just opens up a whole nother section of what that company could do. Indeed. And I think that our CEO, John Hankey, uses the word, uh, basically, like gaming has become untethered, you know. And so yeah. I like that notion that basically you, you have gamers who are not going to be uh, at home in their mother's basement playing on a, on a, a console game anymore. They're yeah. going to be out in the real world playing. Um, and sort of theming of your world around you with whatever uh, gaming franchise you're most interested in, whether that's vampires or zombies or action heroes or dinosaurs or Pokemon or Harry Potter, uh, you're going to be able to, you know, within within a few years, choose which which world you want to um, augment your reality with. Great having you with us today, Bill. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. It's a it's a fantastic book, and it's a great read. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Dan, for having me. Thank you. The book is titled Never Lost Again, The Google Mapping Revolution That Sparked New Industries and Augmented Our Reality. Bill Kilday is the author of the book. Uh, great to have him joining us uh, for uh, joining us on the show to talk about that. And boy, is he right. There are so many different aspects of our lives, and many of them just connected through the smartphone, where mapping is such a, and a very, very important piece to what we do each and every day. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.